if you could live without any regrets, what would that look like? Well, it was easier for me to answer that question than it was, what would I do if I could not fail? Yeah. And there's a real correlation there. And so I think continuously kind of refining yourself, working on yourself and asking those whys, why, why, you know, is powerful. Are you looking to create more money, more options and more fun? Hi, I'm Chris McCarron. And each week, my guests and I will share our experiences with real estate investing and do our best to help empower you to start creating wealth yourself. Welcome to Women Creating Wealth. If you're ready to get started, visit womencreatingwealth.net. For now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Women Creating Wealth. Welcome back. And today we have Robin Binkley. She is the co-founder of Real Equity Investment Partners. She's the co-host of the Ladies Kicking Assets podcast. She's a professional real estate investor with a passion for educating women and other young professionals. And she has three beautiful daughters and two grandbabies whom she adores. Robin, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited about being able to just share my journey and, you know, what I'm doing now. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we were talking about right before we launched, right before we started the recording is that, you know, Robin, sharing your journey with us will help, I think, other people to say, hmm, you know what, maybe it is possible that I could do it too. So tell us, how did you get started with all of your successful real estate endeavors? Yeah. So to just really kind of back up a little bit, I was a nursing home administrator for 24 years. So wow. nursing homes for 24 years. So I was in healthcare administration. And so I had a traditional W-2 job. Um, My husband uh, also worked. And during that time, we were raising three kids. So we were busy, you know, both of us in our our work uh, required a lot of evenings and weekends. And so that's just um, a tough grind. And I use that word grind because you get to Friday and then it's the weekend and you're getting ready for Monday. And it's like, that the gerbil trail or that circular gerbil thing, you know, that the little hamsters and gerbils are on. So, but during this time, um, we were doing a lot of reading and studying and um, always had a passion for real estate. And we're doing some investments on our own, um, but nothing really wild and crazy, you know, So then about 10 years ago, my husband had the opportunity, and this is very important to where we are today, had an opportunity to buy a commercial building that he has his engineering firm in, he and a business partner. And that really was sort of like the big jump because some years later, we were able to refinance that property, pull the equity out. And that was just a big game changer for us. Now, I will say during this whole time I was working, he was working and I retired from my um, nursing facility administration job about five years ago. It was just the industry was getting really tough, highly regulated. uh, And I truly felt like it was just life sucking, not life giving in my life. I could never do enough for everything to be running well. Um, And I just, I just needed to step out of that. And so I did, and was trying to figure out 
what, what is this next season going to look like? Cause I wasn't retiring to retire. I was retiring to rewire, but I needed some <laughs> space to step back and kind of figure that out in my life. Plus we went from two W2 incomes to one. And so we had some readjusting and just trying to figure out what's that look like in our life. So I have three adult kids at this point in time. I still have one in college and, and two are married and, and have their own families and such. So um, it gave me a moment to kind of be a mom, you know, more present, more involved, uh, even though my daughter at that time was in high school. And we started attending some um, real estate conferences, just really diving more into that space and um, bought a couple of single family homes, I did some traditional, um, you know, uh, legwork, if you will, with managing those properties myself and uh, pulling, pulling money out of one project that I had and, and buying another project, another house. And so anyway, I had three and we really started looking at um, some other asset classes. So I began investing in um, um, storage facilities and um, just kind of that natural progression and some different asset classes. And then I really got geared up um, just a couple of years ago with syndicating. I had never heard that term before. I didn't even know what that was. And that's just giving you the capacity to do larger projects, to really have to have some understanding of the foundation of who you are, what your business is, what you're about, what's your mission, vision, values. So we've spent the last couple of years really refining that and discovering what is our syndication business about. We're certainly about creating passive income, certainly about generational wealth and looking at some tax strategies and truly legacy. You know, you move kind of into that space. But I had the opportunity a year ago to, with one of the ladies that I'm in a mastermind with, to really kind of create Ladies Kicking Assets, which is a podcast. But what our mission is, is really about educating women. Because what I've found in this journey is there's not that many women who are really investing in real estate independently. Yeah syndicating and also may not just have a general understanding of a personal financial statement, how to create one, what to do, some of those basic steps. They may manage the finances in their home, but they're not necessarily in charge of or taking control of creating wealth in their life. And what right. is that person? Because it's different for everyone. You know, what is enough? You have to define that for yourself. So that's really what I'm most interested in now is really coming alongside uh, women and others and just helping them discover that in themselves and um, giving them some direction with some connections on, you know, CPAs and legal counsel and connecting them to those experts. I am not giving them counsel in this area. <laughs> I want to make sure I say that. <laughs> so that's, you know, in a quick nutshell, sort of the journey. And I think I represent, you know, the average individual who's worked for many years, raising a busy family. And you're kind of looking at, how do I just get started? What's it look like? And, you know, you have to, to jump out there and educate your mind. And that's more than Zooms and webinars. 
You've got to get out there and make some connections with folks. And then you've got to take action. And then you have to look at your sphere of influence. You know, who are you hanging out with? So you really might want to connect with some uh, mastermind groups and some folks that are kind of moving the same direction as you. And that takes time. You can't do all that at once. Right. Well, you said, you know, who's in charge of creating your personal financial statement. It, many families, there is no one in charge of that. No one's considered doing that. No, they don't even and that's think not that. it. And even learning about finance, it's great that you and your husband were already, so it sounds like you were already toying with the idea of real estate long before you actually jumped in. Is that right? Yes, yes. And, and a lot of that granular knowledge, if you will, came from um, owning an engineering firm here in the city of Houston. So that my husband is a second generation business owner. So we were very accustomed to putting together personal financial statements and looking at assets and liabilities and, you know, looking at cash flow and, and, and just kind of that world by nature of having to run that business. Um, but when you have to really take a real strong look at where do you stand right now? And what's your vision for yourself two, three, five, ten 10 plus years down the road? And how can you sustain a lifestyle that you've essentially created? Will you have enough from your investments, your 401k, your social security? And the answer is typically no, you're not. Yeah. Um, so you have to do more. And, and I've kind of done that a little later in life because I'm in my mid fifties and um, it's not like that, that, you know, jump in, take action mode really occurred in my younger years. I was really in my fifties when really all that morphed. So anyone can do this. (laughs) It's true. I'm in my sixties though, (laughs) or not quite actually July, I'll be in my (laughs) sixty. Yes, but absolutely. And mm-hmm. when you made this, the first leap to buying your very first property, mm-hmm. what did that feel like? Well, it felt really pretty cool because, um, I, uh, I created an LLC and it was a single member LLC. So it was not Robin Binkley and Brett Binkley. It was Robin Binkley. So it was in my name and um, that is kind of an empowering feeling to, okay, here I go. And, um, you know, I probably did it a little non-conventional in that I, in order to, uh, it was a townhome. It was a townhome that I bought and I honestly bought it for cash. Um, And so I know a lot of folks may not have that level of cash sitting in their bank account, but that represented a lot of different areas that I was pulling cash from to create that. Mm -hmm. But then I was able to pull equity out, finance it, create a note, and then go buy two more single family homes as a result of that. And so at that point, then I had three rental properties um, in less than about seven, eight months. You know, it wasn't that long, really. And so I had to learn how to be a landlord. And that was not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> and I still have those same properties. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's not my favorite. Um, it's not my favorite piece of the business. Um, and others love that, you know. And so I think you just kind of have to find what works for you in your journey. Mm-hmm. You know? But I still have those properties today. 
Excellent. Yeah. And when you made that leap into syndication, because I feel like that is a pretty big jump from just having a few rental properties to going oh, into the syndication. How did, how did that come about? So a couple of years ago, uh, my son-in-law, we were driving honestly to New Mexico to go snow skiing. And he said, Hey, I'm going to listen to these podcasts. Have you ever heard of the real estate guys with Robert Helms and Russell Grant? I said, no, I have no idea who that is. And he said, well, it's some really good information. And I said, okay. So for 14 hours, I listened. <laughs> podcast <laughs> it's almost brainwashing at that point <laughs> it was, but it was, I was like oh my god this is so good let me listen to the next one and and so then I did a lot of you know searching and discovered that they had a uh, discover Belize trip I went on that and we love Belize we had um, ended up buying a property there on Ambergris Key and uh, that was not anything that we syndicated but that was just something that we did and um and so then I realized they had a, a summit at sand. They had a, a secrets of successful syndication. Um, they had a lot of different teaching types of seminars. It's not run to the back of the room, join this group, learn how to analyze a deal. It's none of that. And so the culture of that community really appealed to me. And that's where I learned how to syndicate is is through their program and hence i've joined their inner circle and have been in it for a couple of i'm in my second year for that and um I, you're just in a small group you're around like-minded individuals that are growing um they're very highly creative entrepreneurs and so that's super stimulating and um it just kind of moves you from one thing to the next and so as a result of that we did our first syndication in multifamily a year ago uh, uh, for an apartment complex in the Atlanta, Georgia area, 200 door apartment complex where we had just connected with some uh, other general partners and were able to uh, jump on board that project and, and really get some mentorship in that space that I had not ever um, you know, syndicated a multifamily project before. So we were able to do that and capital raise. And that's just a whole different beast. Um, because I think when you do your first raise, you think, oh, everybody I know is going to loan me, you know, uh, not loan me, but give me their money and let me put it in this investment. And you quickly realize they know you for who you were. They don't know you for who you're becoming. Yeah. And so people didn't know me in that space as Robin Binkley um, syndicator, entrepreneur. They knew me as Robin Binkley, nursing home administrator, wife of Brett, mother of three. Right. That's who I was known as. And so I had to really uh, work on my brand and uh, connecting with folks and really diving deep into some relationships so that people would build trust. You know, that's huge. It's a huge part of it. Absolutely. But that's a, that I, I can imagine right now people listening to you thinking to you thinking to themselves, oh my God, I cannot imagine doing something like that. And, you know, going up to people and asking them for money and to invest in their project and stuff like that. I mean, was that scary for you or did you just feel like taking in stride? Um, yes, scary. Absolutely. <laughs> I think the first project you always do is very, very scary you know, especially when you hear no, you know, yeah. I'm really not interested. And I'm thinking, well, why not? Well, I, I think what I learned mostly with that first project is that you have to really get to know the needs of the people 
you're serving, the people who do become your investors, because they don't need the same thing you need. Your job is to figure out what they need and, and help them get to that place. And so that was one of my biggest takeaways with that project. And um, it, it, so it, it, it set the momentum for so many things that I carried into our business last year. Uh, the second project I syndicated was a Bitcoin mining fund with a couple of women. And that was a really cool project to do this past, um, we, we, we closed that in October. And so cryptocurrency was new for me. And I was able to partner with a couple of women who are truly experts in that space and really learn from them um, about that space. And so I think being open to learning about new asset classes, realizing that you don't have to know it all. You know, you have to figure out where you can bring value within your group and be willing to pivot, you know, was, was what carried me into that second second syndication, which was very different than multifamily, but I had more confidence. Uh, I was learning to use my voice. I worked with a company called Organized to Scale to help me build out my brand and show me how to develop in that work. And uh, so, so that was, that was critical, you know, to learn how to do that because you don't just go up and say, Hey, you know, I've got this, this, X, Y, Z. This bridge I want to sell you. Right? Yeah. You want to invest $50,000. It doesn't work that way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> developing your craft. And so it's been a real journey. And so each, each project is, you know, even creating my own podcast with my partner. Um, that was a journey. Uh, being able to tell my story, understanding what is my story, you know? Yeah. It's a journey. And so it's, it's been an amazing, very full, you know, window of time. And so I, I know if I can do it, anybody can do it, or they can do some piece of it, you know, it's whatever they choose. Would you do anything differently if you were starting over, if you were like, you know, 19 again, and you got a chance to start everything over? So, you know, I've um, seen that, that is such a great question. And I've been asked that before. And I would truthfully say, no. And let me tell you why. I know without walking the journey that I've walked, I was not prepared. Though I thought I was, I was not prepared um, emotionally, professionally to take on the responsibility of stewarding someone else's money when we talk about syndicating. Yeah, that's huge. I was yeah. in my 40s. And I know there are a ton of rock stars in their 20s and 30s and 40s doing this, but I was not really ready for that. And so I know that the Lord journeyed me where I have come from to be where I am today. And, and I've also had to, you know, deal with some, some personal um, tough moments, which have given me the desire to carry some goals out. You know, life is too short to just think about stuff and so I wouldn't, I really wouldn't do anything any different. Excellent. That's great. Mm -hmm. How long, tell us about it, like it's sort of a typical, if there is such a thing, uh, syndication deal with you, like how does, how long does it take between the time that you do you start? What's the first step? You identify a property. Is that sort of the beginning of your journey with the one syndication deal? Well, with the multifamily, you know, I, I jumped on board with a team that had been a team for mm -hmm. 
two years. And so they already had some systems in place. They each knew what hat they would wear. Um, so they kind of had a well-oiled machine. And that honestly is one of the things that I would really suggest to someone who is new that is really wanting to take on large projects than just you know going out and buying a single family home on their own yeah. is I would try to discover how you can add value to an existing team or a couple of individuals because the mentorship that you go through is yeah. priceless. And, and so that was really, that was really what, what I did. And, um, you know, what I, as, as a result today, you know, I'm on weekly calls, but part of the syndication certainly is, you know, looking at uh, whatever the asset class is, you know, even if it's self-storage, you know, looking at what's happening in the market, um, what's the price point, why are the people trying to divest it? You know, yeah. um, we had a, a very uh, great friend and syndicator um, stay at our home last evening, and he was actually going um, out beyond Beaumont and looking at a package of seven self-storage facilities today. So we went to dinner last night and just kind of talked about um, what was going on in that space. And so, you know, why, why is, you know, that owner divesting seven, seven properties? There's a lot yeah. of Sometimes it's family issues. Sometimes it's disagreements with partners. Sometimes it's because the market is ripe and it's a good time to, to move on. So you want to look at that and do your due diligence. You know, you want to compare your rent rolls with what's actual, you know, tenants in the place versus who's really paying, you know. And so you kind of want to look at that. And then certainly what's the growth in the markets, you know, what, what kind of business is coming in? Um, what will be the exit strategy? Is it going to be a buy and hold, um, you know, infinite returns? Or is it going to be you're looking to, you know, exit this property within three to five years? Whatever that property might be, that could be commercial, that could be, you know, self-storage, it could be multifamily. Um, and so those are the things that you want to look at. But most importantly, who are you partnering with? you know, because that is a commitment. It's anywhere from three, five plus years you were working with folks. And so what may seem really exciting on the front side, you need to look at what's that look like when the excitement's over, uh, when you have to deliver bad news to your investors, maybe you're not able to make a distribution because your performa didn't shake out the way you thought. You know, what's what's the team look like when all that's going on? That's really, really important. I think people are always excited on the front side and they're never thinking about the back side. It's true. And it is a, quite a relationship, quite a commitment because there's money involved, which is always an opportunity for disagreement and discomfort and all that. So Yeah. And yeah. self-discovery in yourself. You might get into it and go, oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> this is so much better than I thought. I've, I've morphed into doing some other things, you know? And so um, the bad comes with the good, you know? Absolutely. What do you do with that? Right. How do you handle it? Absolutely. So for someone who might be thinking about getting, getting involved and invested in their first, first syndication deal, which I would imagine they would want to do with another person as you did or another team who's already in place, what would you recommend to them? What would you, what kind of advice would you give to them? Mm. 
if you if you don't know who the team is, really explore the team. Take your time. Anyone that's coming at you and asking you to raise capital and they're going to closing in like three weeks to a month, there's a reason why they've gotten in contact with you and why you weren't on the front side of that. So really look at what's the deal about. Um, look at the market and see if that deal really is a good deal in today's market. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of giving you more than one piece of advice, but really look at that team. Look at that team. And, and you know, if you have to say no to this one particular opportunity, I promise you there will be another opportunity that comes around because more importantly than the one piece of advice for the syndication is really getting uh, surrounded uh, in those circles where deals are occurring, where deals are happening, where people are looking at projects. Because when you're in those spaces, there's always going to be something else. You have to de decide too within yourself, what's your investment philosophy? Don't be so excited about getting into a deal that you lose sight of what are you about? What is your business about? Because really until you do some of that self-discovery, you know, you might jump into a deal that doesn't represent who you really are. Right. If that makes sense. And I think it's it's very mature to step back a little and you know take the excited blinders off and go okay understand what you are really doing the commitment you have you know you really have to talk to your investors um, and that is is good and it can also be very difficult and so you know there's it's 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 not just you know we may distributions and life is wonderful. Uh, it can be very lucrative. It can be very um, amazing, but you've got to be able to understand, I think, your basic investment philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. And what could people, what's a normal sort of syndication cycle for people? If you're going to give somebody, be part of an, a syndication, you say, okay, I've given you $50,000 and now what should I expect? So, you know, I will tell you, I'll use the example of our uh, Bitcoin mining fund. Um, we did a webinar, my team, um, my partners, we did a webinar in August of last year, the end of August, really, um, opened up our investment windows starting um, in September and closed it in um, October. Um, and, you know, we started um, a mining Bitcoin uh, at the end of November, um, we didn't have all of our machines, you know, uh, fully operating. And so there were some, some gaps there. Um, it didn't, it didn't go as we had planned, you know? Um, and so we had to be able to, to go to our investors and talk about that. Um, and so I think there's always something that comes up with a syndication, you know, there will be the perfect scenario, but understand that, you know, your project may not be completed or closing may not happen as thought or equipment may not get delivered. And so there will be some, some things that come up. And so, um, but, you know, we're making monthly distributions with our Bitcoin into our investor wallets and have been since November and our machines are up and, 
and doing all that they need to be doing. And so, um, you know, we don't necessarily have all of our K-1s out right now, you know? And so, you know, it's just kind of working through that process with your CPA and communicating that information. Um, we've also elected to kind of do an update webinar. So I think your investor team will create some level of communication with your investors, whether that's by way of newsletters, quarterly updates, webinars, whatever that might be. So, you know, probably the Bitcoin mining was a shorter window of time than what you might look like, look for in multifamily. You know, you're already kind of working with brokers and, and looking at, you know, properties and you're doing your due diligence and looking at, you know, rent rolls and, and such. And so that window can, can be every bit of 120 days, you know? So it just kind of depends on what that asset cost is. Yeah. But before you do any of that, you know, really know who you are and can you raise capital? Yeah. Yeah. What And what amount you're comfortable and what with. Because you not, not everybody on the team raises capital, but, you know. Right. So talk a little bit about the Bitcoin mining, because that's something that I think is not something that people would normally think about when they think about syndication and real estate investing. And I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a, an area that a lot of people are pretty clueless about. I think honestly yeah, how that happens. Cryptocurrency, absolutely. And so um, I was not an expert in that area by any stretch. I will tell you that. And I was not in any masterminds for uh, cryptocurrency, but I was in a couple of masterminds with these two women. And we made some connections in other areas with other um, investments and tax strategies and a lot of discussions in those areas. So because of that, because of then the personalities, it felt like it would be a great partnership. And so we created um, a business together and uh, they are experts in that space. And so they were able to um, identify, you know, um, all the pieces, the insurance, the el negotiate electricity rates and, you know, all of those things. And so really it was about bringing people into the fund that were looking for that type of investment um, and using it as an opportunity to learn about cryptocurrency, digital currency. And, mm -hmm. um, and so many of our investors in our group are new to that space. And so what's been really neat is to have that dialogue. The fund is uh, big enough and small enough, if you will, um, that we've been able to have a lot of personal dialogue with our investors. And so I really, really enjoy that going a little bit deeper versus wider um, on, on my investment you know, uh, journey as a syndicator. And so that's been, that's been really nice. Excellent. So yeah. tell us about your new book. So I had the uh, privilege to be in this book called next level. I'm just showing it to everyone. Um, this is, um, a compilation of stories from um, entrepreneurs and investors in many different walks of life. And uh, Kyle Wilson puts this book together. And so I was able to write a chapter and it's a number one bestseller on Amazon in 31 categories. And it hit 
international number one rankings in, in three areas. And so I'm really proud of that. The yeah. book came out in January and just had a book signing last week with uh, my my partner, Courtney Muller, who I do my ladies kicking assets and, and the Bitcoin mining one. And so we together did a uh, did a book signing and uh, tied it to a charity there in the Dallas area to raise money for the charity. So it's beautiful when you can, you know, take proceeds and we're matched them uh, to give back to that charity. So I love being able to give back and help in all areas. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And that's part of the joy of passive or having an additional income stream, right? It's part of the joy of having enough is that you can then share and be generous and not have to think twice, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, you said something that was so um, powerful there is enough. Like what is enough for you, Christine? I have to figure out what is enough for Robin and no one should be judging what's enough for me or you or anyone else. And so when you, you get to that place within yourself, I think you've, you, you are wealthy, you know, uh, because you're wealthy in your mind and, you know, you're, you have all the other spaces in your life you're working on. And so I think that's true wealth, you know, it's not necessarily monetary. Absolutely. So Robin, I understand that you're planning a retreat. Can you give us any details? I would love to. I don't have a whole lot of details except to tell you that um, this past week, uh, I just had the liberty to be around a couple of female powerhouses, and we were talking about just some philosophies that we all share with um, creating community for women uh, in general, certainly, you know, talking about wealth strategies, but it's not all that it's, it's, it's mind, body, spirit and filling all of that. And so we're working together on creating a a retreat for women and looking at, is that going to be just one day or is it going to be two? Uh, we're meeting together later this week to collaborate and really come up with those dates and kind of shared that information with a couple of women that we were in, um, a group with this past week and, and they are really on board with it. So that's another exciting thing is to be around folks, men and women, and, you know, it's not all women and, and, you know, they're excited about what you're doing and they want to be a part of what you're doing. Right. And that collaboration, you know, is really when your momentum starts picking up. And so it's exciting to be able to live some of those things out, some goals, you know, really take action on some of the goals. And so uh, um, I'm in in that space where life is too short, you know, and th- you'll read about that in my chapter if you if you do, um, where you know we have these moments in our life, tragedies and whatnot that happen, and it kind of shakes you up a bit, and you, you figure out, hey, I may not have this afternoon or tomorrow. Right. What am I going to do with what's left? And so, do something purposeful, you know, whatever that is for you. You know, and so that's, that's really how I'm living my life. And I have been since last February. Yeah. Well, I love what you said earlier about being, you're not retired. You're re, you know, you're not retiring, you're rewiring. That's fantastic. I want to use that. I love it. (laughs) You can take it. (laughs) Because it's true. You're just thinking intentionally, like, what do I actually want my life to look like? What do I want to get out of this day? You know, am I going to. I don't know, binge watch something, or am I going to get out there and, you know, 
meet yeah. people and be with people and you know or or create something or invent something or right what's my day going to be the best use of my day i will tell you that that with that what has been on my heart for the last year is the go, going deep not wide slowing down to speed up mm-hmm. um, well, i spent a lot of time when i was starting out in this you know real estate journey and you know, networking and, you know, this like speed networking, you know, here's your card, here's your card, here's your digital card, you know, blah, blah, blah. How do I know this person? Stick them in my database. And I didn't tell you a week later anything about some of these folks. You couldn't pick the people out of a lineup, right? I uh, could not. Could not. <laughs> and so what I realized is that how does that benefit me? Yeah. You know, what is that how I want to live? And I don't. And so I'm, I'm working on deepening um, or getting to know or strengthening those relationships. And that's a lot of different spaces. And, and some people may say, well, you don't have time to, you know, connect with everybody in your database. Well, you know what? My database is not that big. And I don't have to be that big. Right. You don't have to have that many investors. You just have to have investors that see what you're doing, find truth in it, see value in it for them, for where they are. Right. and jump along in whatever you're doing. And so if it works for their investment philosophy. So I really pivoted my thought as I matured in my business walk. In this and that's space. so smart, right? You go look at your social media and you're like, who are these people? Don't I have no know idea who they are. Bots, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. And it's not, I actually, into, a long time ago for my other podcast, I interviewed a guy who does LinkedIn and he said, every single one of those people should know you and you should actually want to do business with them and want to connect with them. You're not just getting the numbers up. You actually want real connections that you can leverage. And, you know, every single one of those people should bring up like a face in your mind. And I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's not I the know. way mine looks. I know. And so to, to then take the time for engagement. Exactly. How are you doing that? And so I'm, I'm, car- I'm literally carving out time on my calendar. I'm like living on my calendar, which I used to think was really weird sounding like calendar everything. Well, you know what? I'm calendaring time for Robin. Yeah, I am. I'm calendaring, calendaring time to be creative because without that, I'm just talking to a bunch of people. I don't even have time to be creative, to have time to think. I'm right. putting in that into my calendar. So I'm in this real growth space for myself right now with how I'm moving forward. And so when I say I'm slowing down, saying no to a lot, saying no to a lot, like a lot of conferences I would have normally gone to, I'm just not going. Uh, And that's that's so powerful because then you're focused. You've got, like you say, you need that time. And that creative time is something that's so easy just to like push off and, and, and ignore, because it does have to be some quiet time that's scripted. You're not just going to suddenly say, Oh, I feel creative right now. I'm just going to go invent something or come up with a new concept, right? <laughs> so key. I'm to be creative. I'm too busy to be creative. Okay, so there's a problem with that, you know? There's a problem with that. So, so those are simple, practical tactics that anyone right now can kind of look at their life and look at what's necessary and what's not. It might be good, but sometimes you have to let go of the good to usher in the great. Absolutely. You know? And so, true, so yeah. kind of look at what is it that you're seeking out of life and why, you know, ask yourself, why, why do I want to do this? 
you know, just keep going with the why. Yeah. And um, what makes you happy? I went through this exercise this past week um, with um, a lady who's in this um, mastermind group that I'm in. And I did this, uh, it's called a, a soul um, inventory. Um, I believe I have that correct. And I sat with her one-on-one and she asked me a couple simple questions, you know, uh, what makes you happy and repeating it? What makes you happy and repeating it? What makes you happy? And you go and you dive into, and you have to like, think about what makes you happy. And if, if you could do this and not fail, and the question again, if you could do this and not fail, you know, I couldn't answer that question. And then the last question was, if you could live without any regrets, what would that look like? What was easier for me to answer that question than it was, what would I do if I could not fail? Yeah. And there's a real correlation there. And so I think continuously kind of refining yourself, working on yourself and asking those whys, why, why, you know, is powerful. Absolutely. So Robin, someone asked me this question recently, and I'm going to ask you because I think it's so important for people to realize, but how much time would you say in every week do you spend masterminding? Uh, let's see, probably a, probably a good three, three hours a week, maybe four. Yeah. Um, and, and I've just recently stepped out of one mastermind because I didn't have the time to do all of the things i mean i could could spend more time in those spaces but you know when you look at calendared calls and that's not spending time in slack or doing you know any of that kind of stuff it's just kind of staying true to what is scheduled every bit of three to four hours a week yeah absolutely you know, that's, and that's so key just kidding a reasonable number to say yeah and because it's if the rest of the world, right, is potentially trying to put negativity on you. And there's, you know, the news and there's the weather and there's this, that, and the other thing. And that if you can't have that core time with positive people, like-minded people, then it's just easy to get eroded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll tell you, I've, I've quit watching the news at night um, and talk about making you crazy. And I, and I noticed like my blood pressure would elevate. <laughs> I would be like, and I, I started putting my cell phone away at night, turning it off yeah. and I'm not looking at my computer screen and I'm just like shutting my world down at a certain time yep. and doing some self-care. Uh, I'm actually able to sleep like rest. Um, and so health and wellness was something I was really, really focusing on this year and actively focused. I'm doing, um, you know, and that's everything from sleep to nutrition to, uh, you know, eating right for your blood type and, you know, just kind of looking big picture at how am I feeding me in all the different ways? How am I allowing time for meditation and and, you know, spending time spiritually yeah. and making some more uh, decisive practices in my life daily has, has I would say, created more um, creativity in myself, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a practical thing that anybody can do, you know, in any line of business that they're in. That creates true wealth in us. You know, your physical health is your number one key to wealth 
Absolutely. I know so many people are, they're just exhausted because they're not eating right. And they're just dependent on coffee to get them going. And it's just, you, you can't come up with, you can't think about new things. You can't brainstorm about your future and things like that. If you can't even get recharge yourself at night. And I would be so exhausted. Like, like even in this last couple of years, you know, I was drinking like two cups of coffee in the morning, two caffeines in the afternoon. And, and, and that wasn't bad caffeine. It was like spark with Advocare. I love that stuff. And so I have decreased that in my life because I, I realized how sensitive my body is to the caffeine. Yeah. Now I do have a coffee in the morning, but that's my one caffeine of the day. It's like one. And so it's amazing how used to in the afternoon at four or five, I would drink a caffeinated beverage and wonder why I can't sleep at night. Right. <laughs> you don't realize how much it really affects you. It does. But a nice bottle of scotch <laughs> will take care of that problem. <laughs> club soda. <laughs> I'm not opposed to that. Or I could. <laughs> Robin, I've loved talking with you. I think you've shared some fantastic you Thank experiences you. and knowledge with you with the people listening um is there anything you wish i would have asked you that I, we haven't touched on so one one thing that i want to add um for someone who's looking to get started is you don't have to be a general partner in a project you know there are a lot of investment opportunities out there in alternative assets where you can be a limited partner and and have passive income coming in uh, whether that's quarterly, semi-annually, or annually, or monthly even. And some of these alternative assets might be with ATM machines, um, car washes, carbon capture, um, you know, bit Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, whatever that might be. And so, you know, you, it's not just... Um, you know, multifamily and or commercial properties or things like this. So kind of look at what level of work are you desiring to do? Because if you'd really just like to have some passive income that's guaranteed coming in, look at some of these alternative projects that are out there that you don't have to do the work for. Make your money work for you. You know, the returns are certainly different as you're a general partner versus a limited partner, but just kind of look at what, what's the work level you're willing to deal with. So I, I just really wanted to make that point because there are some great opportunities out there as limited partners and in, in you never have to actually run the syndication. So, well, and that might be a way to dip your toe in absolutely get some confidence before you dive in and <laughs> oh, I would dive in I, yeah I would I would definitely definitely go that route for sure and, and it puts you in circles with the folks that are thinking the way you are right exactly that's key I mean making those connections are is what's going to be the oh, yeah. life-changing event not so much it's not even the money that's coming in it's the connections that you're going to make oh, for later yes. It is. It is. Yeah. You know, my my investment business is called uh, REAP, Real um, Equity Investment Partners. And, you know, I, um, I have a website. If anyone's got any uh, questions or just anything personally they want to connect with me on, you know, they can reach out to me at uh, team at realequityip.com and happy to share um, a, a, a free download of my chapter from my book or just anything about how I got going. But I just really love the fact that you were focused on the journey and it's called a journey for a reason. 
because it's a journey. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week. reason and there is a season in your life for every appointed time don't think that because you're in your 50s or older if you are that it's too late because it's not you can do a lot in a very short window of time and look at who you're connecting with uh, and just take some action he's the worst thing that's going to happen is you won't succeed (laughs) but you will learn a great lesson a teaching moment and so move on to the next thing you know (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So all the links to reach you will be on the website, but how about your book? How can people buy the book if they don't want to just download a free chapter? So they can go to next level your life uh, on Amazon, Um, look it up on Amazon and um, you know, because there are honestly powerful, powerful stories in there um, from so many folks. It's just, it's overwhelming. Some of the journeys that you're going to read about um, and some will bring you to tears and some will make you laugh. Um, but they're in there, uh, and uh, with the intent to resonate with someone. Excellent. Robin, thanks so much for being with us. I really appreciate you sharing. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. And please remember to share Robin's journey with someone who you think might be on the verge of greatness themselves, or maybe they just would like to hear something inspirational and hear something that could give them maybe some ideas, spark some creativity and go out there and have a fantastic week. Yes, full of power. Yes. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Women Creating Wealth. For more info, be sure to check out womencreatingwealth.net. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider sharing the wealth with someone else who might enjoy it. See you next week.